Hello, all you reinventors out there. I'm so glad you joined us for Reinvent Yourself. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am really psyched to bring you Julie Fouch and her story. I love the fact when we find these people who have interesting stories of courage that show you these are not famous people. These are not people with, you know, millions of followers on on uh, Instagram, but they're people who really did it and people who lived real lives and had to take their lives in hand and change them. Julie got married at 18, she said. She had kids, she had four kids all at once and found herself in an abusive marriage. And it took her 20 years to leave that marriage. And it's fascinating, the story of how she left is absolutely fascinating. And she found her way back to her own sort of spirituality and inner self um, by meditation and by taking courses and learning. Gee, sounds a little bit like a lifelong learner, like all of us. And she says that when she realized um, after taking a bunch of personal development courses that I was responsible for my own life, history was just programming. And she said when she took the responsibility for getting married at 18, choosing to have four kids, choosing not to have a career, she asked how she could take control of her life and make it different. And, you know, so much of what we try to do here is figure out how do we take care of control of our lives? How do we make it different? How do we put it on a different course um, as we try to reinvent ourselves? And I just love the fact that she did it and she explains in this conversation how she did. And I hope that you will all get some good inspiration and some tips and tricks from her. So here she is. So hello, Julie, how are you doing today? I'm great, I'm so excited to be here with you. Great, well, as I said to you earlier, you're the mystery woman. I had to go to page four on Google to find anything about you. So the good news is you can divulge everything here to us. We will okay. find out everything. That will make this a great podcast for people who wanna know more about you. Awesome. So let's talk about a little bit where did you grow up and where did you go to school and what did you study there because we want to talk about your reinvention. So we need to know kind of what happened first and then how you got to your reinvention. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, I actually grew up in the mountains in Southern California. So I grew up in a little tiny town with 300 full-time residents um, way up in snow country. And I was really raised by a father who believed it was his job to prepare his boys to get along in the world and prepare his girls to be good wives and to be taken care of in the world. And so what I did to fulfill that was I got married right out of high school and um, my, my college education looked like I would go for a semester, get pregnant, stay home with the baby for a year and a half, go back do another semester, get pregnant again. And finally, um, something in my head said, you know, this has got to stop. So uh, I stopped going back to college um, and instead started taking classes and just, you know, reading, studying things that interested me while I was raising my four kids. Unfortunately, when you get married right out of high school, often you don't make the best decisions about partners. 
and I spent 20 years in an abusive relationship. And I stayed in that relationship because I didn't think that I could make enough money to raise my kids on my own. And um, I, I really didn't have anybody I could fall back to, to help me. And so I just stayed in that relationship. And when I finally left, it was because I was so completely broken that um, staying was no longer on the list of options. And um, I actually was in meditation. Um, and in the meditation, I was talking to my highest self. And I said, how do I stay? And she said, you can stay in this marriage and you'll die or you can leave and you can actually live the life you're you're here to live and so i left what did that take to have you actually leave though because isn't that the most dangerous time in a marriage it, like that it really is and um it was really interesting because i had this thing in my head that oh, it's not really that bad. You know, I've never ended up in the hospital. He's never left visible bruises. He only blows up once or twice a year. He, you know, I, so I'd walk around on tiptoes and I'd do everything I could to make sure he didn't blow up. And then when he did, I wrote it off as this isn't real abuse. And I, at the same time, I was really craving, um, acknowledgement and I was I really wanted to do things and I had become a little bit of a um, a, a mini celebrity in the town I I lived in um, it's funny you couldn't find anything about that stuff must have been because it was 20 years ago but well, I tell me what it was though I think uh, listeners would love to understand yeah. what that means so it was a, a small town I ended up um, chairing all of our school bond and levy campaigns. I chaired school board positions, so I got people elected to our school board. I also, in a town of 20,000 people, I um, chaired a multicultural event where we drew over 5,000 people, and we had participation from every service agency, every school, and every um, uh, government agency including the state prison that was located in our town, everybody participated in this event. And so I, I sort of, I ran in those circles. My name was in the paper all the time and people would meet me and say, oh, you're her. I've heard about you. And yet I would go home and, you know, I won community awards and, you know, I, I frequently presented at, board meetings and went to county meetings and presented on behalf of our town. And I would go home and walk on tiptoes. I'd come in the door and I'd change who I was because if I was that big inside the house, then everything would blow up. People would get hurt. Things would be broken. Walls would be smashed. And so I became someone else when I came inside the house. And it really was when I was having people from my public life over for dinner and the thought came through my head one day who am I going to be when they get here 
Because if I was who they thought I was, then my now ex-husband, my husband at the time, uh, would blow up. And if I was who he wanted me to be, I thought I'd lose everybody's respect. And that was really the crisis moment for me where I started looking at how do I, first of all, I thought I had to stay in the marriage. So how do I stay in this marriage and not just completely lose myself, not just completely lose everything I am? And, um, and then I also started to consider, was there a possibility I could leave? And what would that look like? Well, because of this work I had done, um, I was friends with almost everybody in the police department and I was there for a community meeting and two of the guys said to me, we don't want you to leave. We want you to read this booklet on domestic abuse. To which I was So like, did they get it? They got, they had an idea? They, they saw, yeah, they had seen something. Um, they had seen something and started watching me a few months before that. And so they, they just took the opportunity. And I sat down and read this booklet and I was shocked um, because in every single category, um, he was, he fit into the role of an abuser. And but, so you were just in denial then, Kelly, um, or did you, because you obviously was, you were in survival. Okay. I was in survival. And I think unless you've been there, it's really hard to understand what the mind does, but our minds are so clever that they will make things all right if it's a survival thing. So in order to survive, I would minimize everything that happened. And, and you know, the physical abuse happened a couple times a year. He would shove me, punch my leg. Um, one time he threw me up the stairs, that kind of stuff. Um, and then he would turn and walk away. So it wasn't an ongoing beating. So, you know, all those women in peril movies, it's like they're getting, they're getting beat up. Well, that didn't happen. Therefore, I could rationalize that that wasn't me. And then I would put it aside and then I would go on with my life. And really more and more of my life was how do I avoid him and how do I keep him from blowing up at everyone. Um, it's just a really weird headspace when I look back on it. Because I would never put up with that now. But it was part of my lesson. Um, you know, after I, I left him, I had the opportunity to work with a company where the um, CEO of the company was horribly abusive. And I walked away from that. And then I had, um, I actually had a neighbor in a not community organization that I started with my, my current husband. And this guy thought he could abuse me. And man, by that point, I had learned that lesson and the walls went up and I was like, no way are we putting up with this. And, you know, it's like it, the lesson got, the lesson was mine to learn. And, and while the relationships got further distant from my life, those relationships came back. And now if somebody comes in who has, you know, any of that bully energy, any of that um, abusive energy, 
I recognize it immediately. And I'm like, no, that's not happening in my life again. And it's gone. Yeah, it's interesting. I often wonder about that because I know I have, I've never been through that. Um, but I do have friends where it's happened to them multiple times. And I wondered if it's that they don't recognize it the way that an outsider would recognize it and would shut it down or walk away way earlier on. And because they don't think that it's unusual, they get deeper in. Yeah. Where, you know, where we don't, rec- we, we recognize it as aberrant right away. That's my only guess. Yeah. And I think it really has a lot to do with how our wounding patterns go as children. So as children, we have these wounding experiences and we make up beliefs about them and we make up beliefs about us. So this happened to me because I am something. And then that belief lives in us and it dry until we are able to do the healing around that belief. It is an unconscious belief that drives us. So if I'm unworthy of being treated well, I will choose people who don't treat me well. If I am, um, you know, if I'm unable to make my way in the world because I'm a girl, that was my wounding, then I'm going to choose people who are going to try and keep me down because my belief becomes the powerful driver of my life. Now, when we dig in and we begin to, to extract the wound and then extract the gifts in those wounds, then the wound begins to heal and we make different choices. You know, one of the reasons that I am so successful in business is because I had to disprove that wound of I'm worthless in the world. And so I really built a lot of skills to disprove the wound. And once I was able to extract that wound and heal that wound, it no longer drives me to pull people into my life who will prove I'm worthless. Mm, Very interesting. How did you then segue into the business that you're doing? So you you did a lot um, in your own town. And you walked away after 20 years from the marriage. Did you have to start all over again? Did you move towns? Yeah. Did you, and you had four kids? Were I they all four, older by then or still little? Yeah, no, two of them were out of the house. Um, the third one was a teenager and the youngest was, she was 12 when we separated. And um, so the oldest two just went on with their lives. They had already left home. Um, my son stayed with his dad and that was another really horrible story. Um, and then the youngest went, stayed with him for a year and then came to stay with me. And I, um, I made a decision to leave the community and come back to California. I was born and raised in California. And while Seattle is the most beautiful place in the world, on those three clear days of the year, I was the other days, the overcast days. I couldn't, I just couldn't deal with it. So I came back to California and my daughter eventually came with me to California and she finished high school here. Um, and that was really hard, but it was really because I had started to lean into my spirituality and lean into my connection with source. And I was asking the question, I really wanted to come back to California. I wanted to be in sunshine. 
and I was asking the question. And um, one of the things that I'll do is I'll ask a question before I go to sleep and then pay attention to the answer as I wake up when, you know, that veil between worlds is really thin. And um, I'd been having dreams I'd, in my meditations. Everything was telling me go back to California. And then one morning I woke up and I could hear a woman with a Jewish voice saying to me, do you remember Jonah and the whale? This really bad Jewish accent. I apologize to everyone. But she was saying, do you remember Jonah and the whale? Jonah wouldn't go. We had to throw him in a whale. Do you want a whale? And I just thought, that's a sign that I can't ignore. I do not want to be in the belly of a whale. Just sounds terrible. So I packed up and I moved to California. And um, it was super scary. I knew that I was leaving at least some of my children behind in Washington State. And it was one of those moments where if I didn't put on my own face mask, you know, like they say in the airplanes, I knew that um, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to save them. And so I came to California. I um, looked for mentors and teachers. I worked with a Native American shaman who was amazing. I worked with an a energy worker and a psychic. I started to take some personal development courses. And I, um, through that process, recognized that really I was responsible for my life and that all of my programming and my old beliefs, that was just programming, that I created my life. And that meant I had created the things that I didn't like. So when I started to look at that, I started to look at how do I want to create my life differently. I started to take responsibility for the fact that I chose to get married at 18, that I chose to have four kids, that I chose to stay in the marriage, that I chose to stay um, broke, that I chose not to have um, a career while I was raising my kids, which left me with no money. And then when I recognized that I chose that, then I could take control of it. And I could say, how can I make this different? What are the steps so I'm not in this situation ever again? Who do I have to become so that I can have a relationship that's different than the relationship I had? That took a lot of work. And there were relationships that would pop up and I'd be a month or two in and go, oh, wait, no, nope, familiar. I'm not there yet. And I'd let the relationships go because I wasn't going to do that again. And I knew that if I kept working on me and who I be, then eventually I would get to the place where I could have the relationship I wanted. And then the same thing around my relationship with money and around my relationship with the work that I was doing in the world. Um, so when did you start becoming a life coach and how did you find your way to meditation? Was that just by the California kind of infusing it? And what do you <laughs> use the meditation for? Yeah, I started meditating, um, man, years ago when my oldest son was a baby. He's, he's old now, like 38. And, um, and so I started meditating years and years ago. And uh, I did it because my mother-in-law at the time was teaching spiritual direction and using um, a form of Jungian uh, psychology 
to enter into meditation. So it's a guided meditation and I've been doing it for years. I've been doing my own dream work. Um, and then after the divorce, I just really um, leaned into it and went even deeper. So um, I actually do better with guided meditations. Um, you know, Abraham Hicks, Esther and Abraham Hicks, they have some good ones. Um, Deepak Chopra has a great healing meditation. And then I just started creating my own. Um, so my meditation practice is really uniquely designed for me. And when I'm working with clients, now this is the fun part because I teach business women how to make six figures, but the meditation practice, we design their own meditation practice as part of their business strategy. Um, so that's the first part of your question. I'm sorry, I forgot the second half. How did you then end up as a coach? Um, and oh, yeah. Because coaching is highly suspicious today because everybody's a coach. And, you know, it's become in my vernacular and I'm not trying to be rude in any way. It's just that it's, I mean, honestly, it, it, I call it the real estate of, you know, 2020. <laughs> and I mean, there are people who should not be coaches who are coaches. So yeah. how, do you, how do you get into it in a serious way? And how do you, and also for the listener who wants to become a real coach and not just somebody who couldn't figure out anything else to do. Um, what's the difference? <laughs> And, um, and how did you get there and, and how do you make yeah. a living at it? I actually, um, through the, the personal development courses I was taking, I was invited to join a company that did personal development. Um, and after we sh that company, it was a startup, it lasted about a year and a half. And I really loved the work that they were doing. So I started to look and I discovered the Coaches Training Institute. The Coaches Training Institute helped set the standard for the International Coaching Federation. And um, I went to their first class. It, the first class is a weekend introduction. And I sat there and it was as if the sky had opened and the birds were singing. And I went, this is what I've been looking for. This is really what I've been looking for. So um, that was 15 years ago. I went through all of their foundational work, jumped right into certification. Um, certification is intense. So very intense certification program and came out of it um, with over a hundred hours of coaching practice under my belt. I don't know if you'd call it practice since I was actually coaching actual clients um, and um, had to pass their certification test which qualifies me for the International Coaching Federation. Um, and um, nobody has ever asked me for my qualifications since then. But it really, it, if someone is looking to become a coach, there was a moment during that process where I began to feel like I was really asking better coaching questions, where it became less about me being uh, trying to tell you what to do and me helping my clients find the right answers for them. I take this really seriously. I continue to seek out mentors who are the highest caliber mentors so that I can continue to learn and grow because I don't think that process ever changes. And so as my wisdom has deepened, it's deepened because I stand on really great shoulders of 
really amazing, powerful women. And what would you say, I, I guess one of the big issues for people listening is how do I need, know if I need a psychotherapist or I need a coach? Because that's also one of the big issues. And also what is a, um, a life coach versus all these other kinds of coaches? I mean, I literally have run into brain coaches, um, feet coaches, like, I mean, <laughs> they're out there for everything. So how do I know the difference they as a are. consumer? You know, really psychotherapy is for someone who's got, um, they, they, they really have an illness that needs, they need to have help with. And one of the things that um, in my coach's training, we really looked at was how do I know if I'm working with someone that I'm out of my depth and they need to, to be in um, with a psychologist or psychoanalyst versus a coach. Coach is really about moving you forward. It's, we're not gonna, a coach is not going to go and spend every session talking about the trauma that you experienced with your mother. Um, and if that's, now, I will say that we will look at that and we will say, what can we learn from that and how to move forward? And there's some people that just need more than that. So if you're a consumer, um, I'd actually go in and talk to a couple of, of, don't pick the first person, talk to a couple of coaches, talk to a couple of psychologists, really feel into it. If you're experience, um, experiencing something that maybe needs a little boost from, um, from a medication, that's not going to be a coach that's going to help you with that. And I'm, I'm totally 100% like natural remedies first, but I also believe that we have modern medicine because sometimes our brain chemistry is off and we need that little boost or, you know, our body gets off and we need a little antibiotic. Um, so I'm not against that, um, but it, that's not always the first cut. So really as a consumer, you have to be, you have to take responsibility for yourself and you have to be able to say, okay, this coach can help me with this thing. And then, but with this thing, you know, I'm suffering from this thing. This really needs the deeper cut. This needs, you know, a coach has not got the three or four years of training that a psychologist has. So maybe more with a psychologist, those are higher degrees. Um, so really as a consumer, you have to be discerning. And if it doesn't work, you have to let your professional know, this is not working for me. We either need to change it or we need to do something else. So it's really about taking responsibility for yourself. I tell people when they're thinking about working with me to have a conversation with me and then to trust their own inner knowing about whether I'm right or wrong because I'm not taking just anybody. I only want to work with the, the women that I'm here to work with, that I'm supposed to work with. And if I'm not the right person for you, then I'm doing you a disservice by taking your money and pretending. And I think if as consumers we go in with that idea that, that we're looking for the right person to serve us, we are much stronger. 
Interesting. Um, talk a little bit about women um, who are in this reinvention stage. What have you seen um, that is the biggest barrier to women 40 plus trying to reinvent themselves? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, there is, it's all around fear. Um, number one, it's what will other people think of me? You know, I, I present myself in a certain way. I have gained respect in a certain way. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who went from being a lawyer to being a psychic. And she's like, man, the hit to my ego was huge when that happened because she was a respected lawyer. And I think that happens for all women, no matter what they're doing in that reinvention is, I don't know if people are still going to respect me. I don't know if people are going to still like me. What are they going to think of me? The other thing is money. You know, at a certain point in life, we've established a career. We've established a certain amount of money that we're used to making and reinvention often requires that we let that go. You know, if you're going into a whole nother field, um, you might have to let go of that career that's paying you a six or a multi six figure income that is sucking the life out of you that you don't like in order to go do this thing that you're being called to do. And that's scary to think about letting that go. And that's huge. And yet, it's also really scary to think you're going to be stuck with this thing and never get to do the thing that's calling you. Never get to move into the work that your soul is longing for. And there's a choice that has to be made. And that the choice is really a brave one. There's um, a quote from a book I love, um, Warriors of the Heart, I think is the name of the book by Dan and Perry. And in the book, he says that, you know, he's swinging along on his trapeze bar of the moment and he sees a new trapeze bar coming and he hopes he can hold on to this one while he reaches for the new one, but he knows he's got to let go and fly through space with no net underneath in order to catch that new trapeze bar. And that's the space of reinvention. And it is always the scariest place. And it is always the place of the greatest growth in life. It's the only place transformation happens. That's awesome. Well, with that, that's a great place for me to get to wrapping this up and and asking you when you are in that place of reinvention. um, What are the one or two tips that you have learned over time that you would like to pass along to these listeners who may be either struggling with an idea or with the fact that they're forced into reinvention because they've lost a job or they have a health issue or a family issue or a divorce or whatever. What have you learned, your, your words of wisdom like that, um, that you can pass along um, that are practical? Yeah, I think number one, find support whether that be that you hire a coach or you hire a mentor or you have a, a sisterhood of a friend who supports 
not, not a sisterhood that's going to pull you back down because that's not real sisterhood, but you know, a friend or two who will really support you reaching out, you making changes, you reaching for your dreams. That would be number one is to get a support system in place. Women are not designed to work alone. We are designed to be in community and to support each other in our growth and in our transformation. Number two would really be to allow yourself to dream. So we go into survival and, well, I have this and I have to do this and blah, blah, blah. And, and while you're doing that, let your brain turn away on that, but also really let yourself dream. But if I could wave a magic wand, what would that look like? If I could wave a magic wand and do anything, what would that be? And begin to dream your new future because all creation starts in the dream world. And then take that and say, now how can I move towards the dream, understanding the realities of real life, but always be reaching for the dream. I had no idea what my life would be like 15 years ago when I started my coach's training. But I had a dream, and what I have now is better than the dream because I was willing to go for the dream. And there have been tears along the way. <laughs> <laughs> lots of doubt even that I can't like I'm coughing that out it's like right. oh, the doubts yeah. and the fears and the tears but I understand this or better you know okay here's the dream how do I reach for that dream how do I stretch just a little bit more I like that and great and I now I've got that trapeze thing in my mind and it's actually a, a wonderful metaphor for what we try to do as we try to reinvent. So thank you so much, Julie. What a great discussion. And um, congratulations to you on all your transformation. And thank you for being so honest and direct with us. And we will catch up with you later, I'm sure. Thank you so much. So thank you everybody for joining us today on Reinvent Yourself. I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Julie. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us some stars and leave reviews so others can find us. And if you're listening on the Podbean app, leave us a comment on our page to let us know how we're doing and what reinvention topics you want me to cover. And since some of you have asked us how to do that, Uh, Here are your instructions on Podbean to leave a comment. Click the red comments button on our page and add yours by typing in the box at the bottom of the screen. I will respond to you. I love hearing from all of you. For Apple Podcasts, to leave a review and give us stars, click the Reinvent Yourself podcast in your library. Scroll to the bottom and click tap to rate or write a review and let us know how you're liking the podcast. If you do like us, and I hope you do, you will pass us along to other people who are trying to reinvent themselves and who isn't today. And I hope that you will also join us uh, at Covey Club, which is uh, the business that I started where we have content about reinvention and about your life in general for women 40 plus. And that you will join us on the Covey Connect app where women are having conversations about these topics. And I hope that you will subscribe as well to Reinvent Yourself, our podcast, because we want to bring all these stories to you. 
And I hope you'll enjoy the mix of both inspiration and practicality that we are trying to do with this podcast. If you have anybody you think I should interview, and a lot of you have given me great leads, please write to me at leslei at coveyclub.com. See you next time.